3: Hey, Tom Harbin here. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. It's supported by advertising. So after this brief
4: message, we'll get right into it. Deborah's home was stolen. Now, I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean, scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls title theft one of the fastest growing white collar crimes. And this story is why you need home title lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned our home. Wait, it gets worse. Deborah goes on to say I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. This is why you need home title lock because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HometitleLock.com and register your address to see if your home's title has been tampered with. You need to protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. Go to HometitleLock.com now for 60 risk-free days of protection. Again, that's HometitleLock.com. HometitleLock.com. HometitleLock.com.
3: Is the Tom Hartman program? Welcome back to our program. On the line with us is Congressman Ro Khanna, the vice chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. He represents the 17th District of California, Silicon Valley, and the uh, U.S. House of Representatives. Uh, his website: Khanna, K H A N N A. House. You can tweet him at Rep. Ro R O Khanna. And Congressman, welcome back. Tom. Great to be back on. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Two quick things I wanted to toss to you and then we'll pick up phone calls. That A, on Thursday of this week, I believe it is, the House of Representatives is going to be voting on a piece of legislation that you have proposed or are sponsoring, and I'd like to have you tell us about that. And B, I was talking about this joint statement by these uh, six different groups who are all working together to try to get a progressive in the white house Uh, whether that progressive is Bernie or Elizabeth Warren either one of them if we're gonna get to 2,000 delegates on the first ballot and if we get in the second ballot then we got a real problem because then you got you know 700 and some odd superdelegates who will come in and probably push for Joe Biden that Bernie supporters need to stay solid Warren supporters need to stay solid and we need to all collaborate and
5: cooperate uh, sort of like a block. Does that make sense to you? It absolutely does, and as you know, I'm one of the co-chairs for the Bernie Sanders campaign, but I have been saying that the path to 2,000 requires... Uh, coalition of Warren and Bernie supporters, and our agenda of getting Medicare for all free public college, stopping endless wars is going to require both Senator Warren and Senator Sanders working together, and all of the supporters working together i mean we 've got enough obstacles in Congress and in the Senate for progressive change. We need unified progressive movement, so I applaud those groups that issued that statement I had amplified it on my social media and I appreciate Tom your uh, echoing their message.
3: Yeah, and I just found the sheet here. Uh, The the groups are Our Revolution, the Sunrise Movement, Roots Action, all Sanders supporters, the Working Party's family who has endorsed Warren, and Justice Democrats and Democracy for America who have not yet endorsed anybody. And myself, I have not endorsed either candidate, but I'm explicit that I support either and both. So tell us about your legislation on Thursday.
5: Sure. The legislation actually is with Senator Sanders, and it's to make sure that not a dime from Congress goes to an offensive war in Iran uh, or taking out an Iranian official. Speaker Pelosi has scheduled the vote, and we anticipate it passing the House, and then the challenge will be to get a vote in the Senate. It's important to note that when Senator Sanders and I did this two months ago, it passed the House with 27 Republicans, and it was stripped in the conference committee to the national defense authorization. I believe if the amendment had stayed in there, we may never have had the Soleimani assassination. So it's important now for Congress to exercise the power of the purse.
3: And finally, very quickly, I'm curious your thoughts on the whole impeachment drama now that the New York Times is reporting that John Bolton is saying that Trump actually was trying to bribe or extort the country and the president of Ukraine to get dirt on Joe Biden. And Trump came out and basically denied it. He tweeted a denial. He said a denial, which I believe blows up any possibility of a executive privilege claim.
5: Yeah, it looks like for the first time there's been a crack and you had Romney and I think Susan Collins saying that they're open to witnesses. I do think this is a game changer and you may now get at least four Republicans voting to have witnesses. And John Bolton has something obviously to share. He's very credible. He doesn't have any incentive to be anything but honest. And I believe him that, uh, that the president told him to withhold aids to get the Bidens. I mean, the reality is we all knew that that's what happened based on the facts. Uh, this just will confirm that this was coming directly from the president.
3: Yeah. Amen. So let's pick up some phone calls, eh? Absolutely. Okay. Diane in Flemington, New Jersey. You're on the air with Congressman Khanna.
1: Hey, Tom. Good to talk to you. Thank you. This is for the Congressman. The Trump budget last year proposed to cut some Medicare and Social Security funding. Obviously, this was not enacted. In the last week, Trump was questioned about these kinds of cuts, I believe, at Davos by a reporter. And his answer would make great footage in a campaign ad to let the public know that he's a liar when he said that he would never cut those things. He admitted he would cut them. And then it was followed by interviews with Steven Mnuchin, I believe, who reinforced that plan.
3: and in fact uh, trump's budget from last year proposed a 1.9 trillion dollar cut to medicare and medicaid and a 26 billion dollar cut to social security congressman
5: dine you're absolutely right i mean look trump acted like a populist on the campaign trail and made false promises saying he wouldn't cut social security or medicare but his budget since i've been in congress always proposed cuts in social security and medicare so if he has a second term you can sure as well believe that he would push for those cuts. The only thing preventing those cuts is right now we have the House in Democratic control. But if you had Republicans controlling government, they would do everything they could to cut those programs. They've been wanting to do that for the last 40 years.
3: Richard in Naples, Florida. You're on the air with Congressman Conant. Hi, guys. Thank you. Listen, I have a
0: question. Should Democrats convince the Republican majority in the Senate, or even three or five Republicans, to agree This Senate could join together and say, we want the people to decide about the impeachment and thus agree to withhold adjudication and only dismiss the impeachment once the people had voted. That is sometime after November 2021.
5: Richard, I don't think that impeachment becomes a matter of politics. I mean, when people vote for the president, they consider a lot of factors. They consider how their lives are doing, how the economy is doing, what they think of the president's foreign policy. But the impeachment here is a matter of constitutional law. I mean, the president violated the law by threatening a foreign leader for his own personal benefit and directing the resources of the federal government to investigate a political rival. I believe we have a constitutional obligation to maintain a nation under the rule of law.
3: Patty in Seattle, you're on the air with Congressman Kana.
1: Yes. Hi, Tom. Uh, Thank you for making it possible for us to talk to Representative Kana. And, Representative Kana, I'd just like to say I follow you on Twitter, and I appreciate your honesty. You know, I'm for either Bernie or Elizabeth. I believe they're both eminently qualified but i'm also aware that trump is a master manipulator of the media and i'm afraid that he's going to successfully smear either of them bernie as a socialist and elizabeth as pocahontas and her mistake in claiming native american ancestry to gain advantage through affirmative action
3: she actually Um, was not to gain advantage she never gained any advantage from it she never tried to it was simply a form that said you know do you have some ethnic heritage that you want to mention there was but no she, advantage, period.
1: But she did claim to be Native American, didn't she?
3: She said that she had Native American ancestors, which is true, by the way.
1: So I'm just worried. I'm apprehensive that, uh, and this makes me want to support a candidate who could better beat Trump, like uh, Bloomberg or Klobuchar. And I just want to know what you think
5: the history of politics is that the republicans will throw the kitchen sink at whoever our candidate is i mean they called obama much worse they said obama was a socialist they said he wasn't even born in the united states they said he was a secret muslim but obama had the strength of conviction the inspiration and the leadership to overcome that and i believe either senator sanders or senator warren would have that what loses in these campaigns is when you don't have the strength of your own convictions It's not the attacks the other side will throw at you. I mean, they will throw those attacks no matter who our nominee is and exploit whatever weakness they can find.
3: Yeah. And let me add, in the 2008 primary when Hillary Clinton was running against Barack Obama, we had on this program one of the senior officials of the California Democratic Party, who he was speaking on behalf of himself, not the party. He was African-American. And he said that he was encouraging my listeners to vote for Hillary Clinton because in his opinion, and keep in mind this was early in the primary, in his opinion, a black man whose middle name was Hussein had no chance of getting elected president of the United States. And look at what happened. <laughs> we had eight years of one of our very best presidents. So, you know, I, I think your point is well made. I don't know if you want to speak to that, Congressman, or pick up the next call.
5: Yeah, no, uh, Tom, I mean, I think the only thing the last two presidential elections show is none of us have the ability to predict who the president's going to be. I mean, as horrible as Trump is, I went into my own election night thinking I didn't know if I was going to win because it was the same year, but 100% sure Hillary was going to win. So I think the punditry has been so off, and my sense is that what people really are looking for is an outsider because the system hasn't been working for working-class and middle-class families. And both Senator Sanders, well, I'm supporting, but also Senator Warren, speak to that discontent.
3: Yeah, amen. And I think either one of them has a really strong chance of taking down Trump. And in fact, one of the things we got from the Parnas tape is that Trump was really afraid that Hillary was going to pick Bernie as, as her VP. Then he'd beat Trump. So.
5: Yes, no. I think that, oddly, Trump respects Sanders uh, because he knows he appeals to some of the working class voters. This yep. is
3: the Tom Hartman Program. Back with Congressman Ro Khanna taking your calls for the hour here on the Tom Hartman Program. Congressman Connor's website, Khanna Howard in Seattle listening to KBCS. You're on the air with Congressman Khanna.
2: Hey, thanks for letting me speak. I appreciate that. And what I'm calling about Congressman Khanna is there's a Part D penalty, uh, the drug piece of Medicare that I would like to see eliminated. I think that it actually penalizes you for a late registration into the Part D program if you don't register at the same time that you register for Medicare. And it compounds yearly over time until you die. And so I can't see why you're penalized for being healthy if you don't need you know, the Part D right away. So I'd like to see that eliminated. Please author re- legislation, or I'd like to hear your thoughts on that.
5: I completely agree with you. I mean, I think you shouldn't be penalized if you choose to get Part D later on. Of course, uh, I would argue that we need broader reform. I mean, Part D still leaves people with many costs out of pocket. Uh, Medicare doesn't cover, Part D doesn't cover the costs of many drugs. There's a donut hole where you're not covered. And so what we really need is an expanded Medicare for all, uh, where you don't have to have the costs of prescription drugs. But as a reform before we get there, I agree with you that you shouldn't be charged more if you sign up late.
3: Donna in Wheaton, Illinois, you're on the air with Congressman
1: Connor. Hi, Tom, and Congressman Connor, longtime listener, first time caller. Thank and you. I have a question for both of you regarding Medicare for All, which I unequivocally support. I am very concerned about the number of doctors in my area, which is DuPage County, Illinois, especially specialists and surgeons who refuse to take Medicare patients. Is there any mandate for doctors? In terms of Medicare or potentially a Medicare for all system that would mandate that they, that they take patients on Medicare, I mean to me that's as important as the individual mandate.
5: Donna, it's a great question. I mean, the advantage of getting to Medicare for All is you literally, as a doctor, wouldn't be able to uh, survive economically if you didn't take Medicare then. I mean, literally the entire country would be covered on Medicare. I suppose you could have a limited number of doctors who practice concierge medicine and don't take insurance, but that's a few percent. And it would become economically unsustainable to have a practice without taking Medicare. So that's why I think Medicare would really force to treat everyone.
3: Yeah, that's a really important point. Pam and Everett Washington, just a minute to the break. Pam, quick one, please.
1: Hi. I would like to ask Congressman Rokhana to talk about HR 5010, please, the State Based Health Act, and what it enables states to do. I'll take my
5: answer off the air. Thanks. Thank you, Pam. Thanks, Pam. Uh, We've seen uh, states try a single-payer system in Vermont. They were trying movements in California, and one of the challenges is that they don't have the resources. What my bill would do is allow the states to use their Medicare dollars, their Medicaid dollars, the federal dollars for a single-payer system as long as they were achieving universal coverage and providing the same benefits. And we've seen that approach work in Canada. Saskatchewan started it.
3: So that way, California, for example, could implement single-payer health care and start like Saskatchewan, and it would spread across the country. Exactly. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you. And his website is Kana, khanna.house.com. Imagine this Valentine's Day story as you. You're parked outside the restaurant where you're meeting your date in 10 minutes, glancing in the mirror, you notice your wrinkles and large under-eyed bags, you rummage through your bag thinking, where's my secret weapon? And there it is. Plexiderm, you apply the clear serum under your eyes and boom, two minutes later, you start seeing the under-eye bags and wrinkles disappear right in front of your eyes. You'll look years younger. Plexiderm is the clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in minutes. It's the Valentine's Day gift you give yourself. Go to TryPlexiderm.com and enter Voices for 50% off, plus an extra 10 bucks off. Again, enter Voices at TryPlexiderm.com to get 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning the code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee, so to get my special discount, enter VOICES at triplexiderm.com. That's VOICES at triplexiderm.com. Tom in St. Paul, Minnesota. You're on the air with Congressman Connor.
0: Well, thanks. This is a big picture question. The legislative branch is one of three branches of government, and the five hundred among 535 representatives of the people in that legislative branch are voting for impeachment. 277 indicate yeah, there's cause for impeachment, and the 47 Democrats so. You have a twenty seven person majority in the branch, but the houses divided seem to be totally dysfunctional. Is there any creative way to include all of the representatives and the senators as a body of five hundred and thirty five for some votes on this impeachment?
3: When Tom says the houses divided, I think he means the house and the senate. Yeah.
5: Well, Tom, I mean, this is a challenge. I think what you're raising is the, the undemocratic nature of the Senate. And someone, uh, Ezra Klein, had an article in the New York Times which struck me, which he said that uh, in uh, a certain amount of years, I think a decade, uh, 70% of the population is going to be in 10 states, and we're going to have the Senate become even more undemocratic. And so this is one of the fundamental challenges of our democracy that you may have majority sentiment behind something, you could have the majority of the House, uh, but the Senate is representing states, and those states, even with smaller populations, may not reflect the popular will, and it's just the system we're we're in and why progressive politics is a harder lift.
3: I think the, the Democratic, I don't know if you can convey this to somebody, but if the Democratic Party could get wealthy donors to buy major radio stations in low-population states where they're inexpensive. And you know, in, in Fargo, North Dakota, and whatever's in South Dakota, and whatever's in Wyoming, and get progressive programming on the air. I, th- I think the Democratic Party radically underestimates the impact of this kind of programming, and and it wouldn't be that expensive. And then you know, it's possible that they could start flipping those states Democratic, and the Republicans would have the problem that we have right now. What do you think?
5: I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I and you would know much more than me. I Maybe mean, you should lead this effort if you have. I have any written op eds about it. But I agree with you. I mean, I think having radio, having some form of, uh, of news, cable news, or other, you know, like Sinclair, where, where they add commentary to the local news uh, that they, they have. I mean, the conservatives have been more strategic with, with talk radio, with cable, with television, and uh, the infrastructure they built. And yeah,
3: how they're keeping red states red. Deborah in Columbia, Tennessee, uh, we have a minute and a
5: half to the break.
3: You're on the air with Congressman Connor.
1: Thank you. My question, it may be naive, but I want to know why why the American people can be lied to so blatantly, I know that that's what's happening to a lot of my Republican friends, and not be held to a higher standard, especially the president. Why isn't there some type of ethics litigation out there to hold them to a higher standard?
5: Deb it's a very fair question. I mean, he is really corrupting the body politic, corrupting our culture in what uh, the expectations are for leadership. For the longest time, you at least had an expectation that a leader had to be honest had to follow the rule of law. And when they didn't, they would be ashamed of that and tried to hide that. This is the first time in my lifetime that you see a president who has no shame about lying or flouting the law. And it's something that will take many years for our country to recover cover. And the Senate, unfortunately, many of them have been acquiescent in letting the president get away with this because they see this as in their short-term political interest.
3: It seems to me that if the Senate does not convict Trump, that every future president will be essentially lawless. What do you think?
5: I agree, and Tom, thanks for uh, bringing up that counterfactual, because a lot of the Republicans say, oh, the consequence is that every future president is going to be impeached. No, that's not going to be the consequence. The consequence is that any future president who blatantly disregards the law uh, subverts the law at his own FBI and law enforcement and abuses his power will be impeached. The flip side of that is you're basically giving a license for another Donald Trump to come around.
3: Or worse. I mean, we might get or somebody worse. who's actually competent at being bad. Bad. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is like the Three Stooges, you know, this thing. Excellent point. Congressman Khanna, Congressman Ro Khanna is with us, taking your calls. Congressman Khanna is the vice chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. He represents the 17th District of California in the U.S. House of Representatives. Khanna.house.com. Bill in St. Paul, Minnesota, you are on the air with Congressman Khanna.
0: Congressman, there have been so many blacks murdered and stuff, and these candidates are running. I hear nobody talk at all about protecting us. Can you tell us something
3: about that? So your question, which candidate will do the most to stop blacks from being murdered in the streets uh, by the police? Yes, sir, that's yeah. the question. Got it. Thank you.
5: Bill, I think it's a very important question. Uh, Representative Clay and I have legislation called the Peace Act, and what that would do is change the standard of force. Right now, under Rehnquist, uh, from a 1989 decision, a police officer just has to think that the, force of, the use of force is reasonable. In every other major democracy, you can't use force unless the force is absolutely necessary and a last resort. So what we have in our legislation is to say that we need to change the standard to make force an absolute necessity before it can be used, and that would encourage de-escalation techniques. It was implemented in Seattle as a pilot and has had dramatic reduction in violence. So that's something that we really need to advocate as a party.
3: Mike in Hope Sound, Florida. You're on the earth. Congressman Connor.
2: Well, what an honor. Thank you, Tom. And, And thank you, Congressman. I'm listening on Serious Progress. Uh, Congressman, you've had a front row seat to House members and you've seen these Trump supporters. I just want to remind everybody that this lying and these conspiracy theories uh, didn't begin with Trump and the loss of trust in government began with the far right and the right. But my question is about John Bolton. And do we really need a witness now? Uh, Because they already know this guy is guilty. They're, They're dishonest about it, but they know he's guilty. Isn't it better for Democrats if they just continue to refuse witnesses and block evidence, because they're going to quit. In fact, I believe Justice Roberts, if he wanted the truth, he could subpoena this unpublished Bolton manuscript. So hopefully uh, blocking Democrats and blocking truth will motivate these lazy Americans to just vote them out, because I honestly don't know if it'll make a difference. And just want to get your opinion on that.
5: Well, Mike, I I think the Bolton testimony, if anyone can break through to the American people, it it would be Bolton. I mean, Bolton has served in Republican administrations. Uh, I have disagreed with with him vehemently on his advocacy on foreign policy. He's by no stretch of the imagination a friend of progressives. And if he uh, testifies in front of cameras uh, that this president of the United States directed him to withhold aid, for a personal favor, and that then subsequently that Trump has been lying about it, I do think that would have credibility, and while it may not swing Trump's base, it could make it very hard for him to, to get support from independents. So I think it's worth fighting to try to get his testimony.
3: Jack in Jefferson, Indiana, you're on the air with Congressman Conner. Thank you, uh, Professor Harmon and uh, Congressman Connor. My question is, we know that Donald Trump
0: has committed high crimes and misdemeanors as president. That's been determined by the House. On that basis,
2: is there a provision in the law that would allow Democrats, if we win in November, to recall his judicial appointments? Uh, thank you, and I'll take it off the air. If only, huh? I think it's
5: a good question. I, I don't think there is. It would be uh, hard to do. I mean, he has been illegitimate, but that would be fairly unprecedented. Tom, I don't know if you have any no,
4: thoughts
3: I, on that. to the best of my knowledge, there's no such provision. I said if only. You know, wouldn't would it be nice if yeah. there was? Okay, Laura, in Chicago, you're on the air with Congressman Connor. <laughs>
1: Yeah, hi. Uh, Thank you for taking my call. I'm uh, really, really concerned. Not only is this about getting Trump out of office, but I'm also concerned about the loss of power and the loss of uh, co-equal checks and balances between the uh, branches of government. And I think we're going to have to pass legislation to really increase the power of Congress, such as, and I'm wondering what your thoughts about this are, and that is limiting an executive privilege so that it does not apply to all members of Congress, all members, not just the Gang of Eight, all members of Congress, and also improving, increasing the ability for Congress to enforce contempt of Congress. So that would be arresting somebody right at the moment and at least going down and where they have to go through in front of a judge and produce some bail or something.
3: Without having so, to submit it to the Justice Department.
1: Without having to submit it, yeah, before they do that. So we have to do that to improve the um, the checks and balances. So what do you think about that?
5: Well, it's an excellent point. And I do think with this entire drama and saga forces Congress to reconsider how we exercise oversight. How do we get access to documents if the executive branch is stonewalling? How do we get access to witnesses if they're stonewalling? Your idea about having the courts enforce a congressional subpoena is not a bad one. I mean, the reality is the sergeant of arms is such an archaic institution. It's going to be unlikely that any speaker is actually going to send a sergeant of arms to arrest someone. Uh, but if you had the courts say, you know, Don McGann, you have to testify. And if you defy congressional subpoena, you could be arrested just like like you could be arrested for defying a court order subpoena. I do think that adds more teeth to it. So, and in terms of sharing in, in intelligence, you know, the president has misused the executive privilege. I mean, a lot of what he's trying to shield isn't a privilege. You can't privilege evidence of a crime, but we definitely need to think about how we could get more members of Congress access to that.
3: It is kind of weird that a private organization, and I'm sorry, I don't remember which one it was, sued the Office of Management and Budget uh, to get those uh, emails with Mick Mulvaney that were were originally all blacked out and then the the right ones got leaked, but they were able to get documents that a congressional subpoena couldn't get because a, a court was enforcing the private request, but the courts had not enforced the congressional requests.
5: I think that highlights why Congress needs to do more to be able to exercise our power. I mean, the traditional thinking was that Congress is an independent branch. The courts are an independent branch. So Congress shouldn't rely on the courts to enforce our power. But in practicality, what that has meant is Congress has very few vehicles for enforcement. Now, usually people don't want to be held in contempt of Congress and they'll cooperate. But if you have an administration like Trump's where that almost becomes a badge of honor among certain circles, then you need something more concrete in enforcement.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. Charles and Huntington, in West Virginia. You're on the air with Congressman Connor. Hello, Congressman. Do you think the
5: Democrat candidate could mention that it was the Republicans who put the twenty percent gap in Medicare Part B? I'm sorry, was it the Republicans? His question
3: was when when Medicare was first created. Was it the Republican Party that demanded that Lyndon Johnson uh, only cover 80 percent of all expenses and create that 20 percent hole, which was a space where private health insurance companies could step in with Medigap policies? My recollection is that it was the Republicans, and they were using the argument of skin in the game. I I don't know yours.
5: I don't have a recollection on the history of that, but one thing we do know from economists today is that it's an absurd argument that just because you are paying for something that somehow you're going to use it less. First of all, we want people to get health care. We don't want them uh, to use things less. Secondly, when Taiwan went onto a single-payer system, we didn't see dramatic increases in utilization rates. Uh, And finally, I tell people there's a natural check. I mean, uh, you know, I have a a free dental coverage because of insur- the insurance uh, we get, which is a, a travesty that uh, other Americans don't get, that but I don't show up every month to get a dental cleaning. I mean, I dread going to the dentist, and I don't think most <laughs> Americans would abuse going to the doctor. Most you don't say, "Oh, let me go to the doctor or dentist today."
3: Yeah, Stacy in Los Angeles here on the air with Congressman Kona. Good morning,
1: Congressman Kona, I'm, I'm begging you, imploring you to help Tom Perez to send support to Amy McGrath and Jamie Anderson. We can beat Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham, but only if the DNC will help support it. And I'm, my heart is broken because it doesn't matter who the Democratic candidate is and whether or not she wins. If Mitch McConnell still is in charge of the Senate, we're sunk.
5: I agree with you. I do think the DNC is going to be all in on that race. It's a, it's a race we have to win and we have to take back the Senate. I mean, at least get a 51 Senate majority so that President, a progressive president can get our priorities through with reconciliation and doing away with the filibuster. But the Senate in McConnell's hands is as big a problem as Trump.
3: Congressman Ro Khanna taking your calls for the hour. He's the vice chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. He represents the 17th District of California. Khanna, K-H-A-N-N-A.house.gov, is his website. You can tweet him at Rep. Ro Khanna. We'll be right back. You're listening to Tom Hartman.
0: Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives.
3: in ocala florida you're on the air with congressman connor
0: hi thank you very much john i had a question for the congressman and it's nice to be able to speak to somebody who is truly progressive i believe it was uh candidate Budajek who who recommended this or who pushes this idea of increasing and i think it was by
2: five the supreme court and changing the way in which the additional five are selected I don't know a lot of the details of it, but I, I wondered if anything has been done in terms of investigating how that might be done. Is it even possible legally to be done? I don't believe the Supreme Court was originated with the
0: idea that it would be the tool of the president to propose whoever sits on that court.
5: Well, Carl, I uh I think Buttigieg's proposal was based on something Bruce Ackerman, a Yale law professor, had put forward. The part that I think we can agree on is that these court justices shouldn't be having life terms. I mean the idea that we're beholden by a justice who was appointed in the 1990s or 1980s 20 30 40 years later I think is very anti-democratic and so I believe and we'll be proposing legislation for term limits for Supreme Court justices it could be 18 years and you can have it con institutional, because you could, after your time of the Supreme Court, go down to a lower court and still be a judge for life, as the Constitution requires. But to me, having some term fix for Supreme Court justices would fix some of these problems.
3: Gene, in Town, Pennsylvania, watching Free Speech TV. You're on the air with Congressman Khanna.
5: I don't think anybody could have predicted it. It was
0: a surprise to me, the latest reason not to go with Medicare for all is that it's just not fair to all these union people who have worked so hard to negotiate this great health care i mean you can talk against that but it seems to have metastasized like a cancer the talking heads in the mainstream media notice all the other democratic candidates besides warren and sanders are going towards the uh... the other way So, so is your question how do
3: we rebut that
0: I know how to rebut it, but maybe we should consider continuing to let the workers who negotiated these great deals to have the money come in like it has been, except have it go to Medicare for all.
5: Well, Jane. first of all, it's a very fair point. Both Sanders and Warren explicitly grandfather in union contracts. I mean, a traditional union contract is three to four years. And if you really want to keep it for three to four years, you can. And that's basically the length of the transition anyway. And so no one is losing what they've negotiated. And going forward, what we're saying is that... You rather get an increase in your pay and use union power for that, and improve your benef- wages and working conditions, instead of using all of your union collective bargaining just to get health care.
3: He represents the 17th district of California, most of Silicon Valley. He's the vice chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. You can tweet him at Rep. Ro Khanna as a representative Ro Khanna, R-E-P-R-O-K-H-A-N-N-A, and his website is Khanna, K-H-A-N-N-A. House.com. Joe, in Houston, Texas, you're on the air.
5: Yes, good afternoon. um, Have other presidents withheld aid to foreign countries before? Is this a, you know, sort of common practice? Joe, I imagine other presidents have withheld foreign aid, but usually for reasons that are legitimate, such as if a country is committing human rights abuses or a country is undermining American interests, and usually it's in consultation with or congressional leaders
3: yeah president obama for example withheld aid from egypt which is something that trump's lawyers pointed out on the floor but he went to congress and said i want to do this congress said to him yes please do this the national security council was in agreement and it was because the egyptian government had been overthrown by a military coup so it's kind of a different thing um, um amazing john in los angeles you're on the air with congressman Khanna.
1: first
0: off i want to say thank you to both you gentlemen. But right now, I have access to a whole lot of people. When I say lots, I mean lots.
5: I can't put them all in my phone contacts. Right now, the bulk of the people, my race, basically, feels like it's court earth time. Because if this one person don't, like, if they go for the non-progressive And
3: we know how this is going to go. It's going to go from bad to even worse. You know, John makes the point that it's scorched earth time. Your thoughts, Congressman?
5: Well, John, I think we have to fight for progressive values, and uh, I think it would be very disappointing if we don't have a progressive nominee, given where the energy of the party is, given what people want. But ultimately, to get to those progressive ends, we're going to have to bring the party together, and scorched earth tactics aren't going to help us defeat Trump. It would just be helping Donald Trump get another term.
3: Rick in Chicago. You're on the earth. Congressman Conor.
2: Hi. Great show. Can Justice Roberts subpoena... The tape of the original tape of The Perfect Call.
5: Rick, my understanding and what the House Democrats have been arguing for is that Justice Roberts presides over the Senate trial. He should have the authority of a judge to make evidentiary rulings. And so if the House impeachment managers were to ask him to to be able to call a witness or to get documents and for a subpoena request, that he should rule of them, not the Senate. That's all that, by the way, the whole dispute of the rules, all the House Democrats were asking for is let Roberts make the decisions. Of course, the Senate McConnell has Vehemently oppose that,
3: Philip in Island Pond, Vermont. Here on the air with Congressman Connor.
0: Yeah, one of the most important issues I think, and I don't hear about it from any congressman or any senator, is uh, the data data protection. The data protection law of the European Union is the most powerful. It's the strongest law that's ever been written in the history of the world in data protection, and I wish that our congressmen would adopt this law as it's written in Europe. Because data is used against every citizen of the United States. And it's, it's, it's used for algorithms, figuring configuring algorithms, etc. It's a very important thing to protect the data of the citizens of the United States and the European Union's data protection law does it for the citizens of all the European countries. Why don't our, our country politicians adopt this? That data is
3: used against everybody. Got it, Philip. You know, Thank so- you. Congressman?
5: No, I agree with you. I uh, recommend that you uh, look at the Internet Bill of Rights that I proposed with Tim Berners-Lee, and it talks about the right to have consent before your data is collected, the right to know what's happening with your data, the right to be able to delete it, the right to make sure that uh, data is anonymized and not traced back to an individual. Uh, A lot of these principles come from studying the GDPR, we are hoping that some of these principles will make their way through the Energy and Commerce Committee into legislation. But I absolutely agree with you that the United States is far behind in the regulatory framework for the Internet, and we need to have an Internet Bill of Rights.
3: Tom, in Rochester, Minnesota, you're on the Earth, Congressman Kana.
0: Explain uh, the drug deal with the Ukraine link.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think what he's uh, describing is that this is how someone would act uh, totally in defiance of the law, and it's a criminal conspiracy. Uh, And it is. I mean, it's really shameful that we're even having this debate given the president's conduct and, and given the amount of people now around him, his national security advisors, the ambassadors involved, who have basically implicated him, the act of not convicting him is an act of defiance of the evidence, steering people in their face.
3: Congressman, in the 30 seconds we have left here, what are your thoughts on the coming week and where should we be focusing our activism? Which members of Congress should we be calling? What should we be doing?
5: Well, I think the uh, vulnerable uh, senators, Republican senators, uh, who have tough races, I think they are uh, people who hopefully will allow witnesses. And I do think we need to make a big push to get witnesses to hear from John Bolton. I'm hopeful that Senator Sanders in my bill on Iran, on defunding of war in Iran will pass. uh, It'll pass the House. Uh, We need to get a vote on the Senate. That's important. And then we need to continue to do whatever we can to to find unity as progressives uh, heading into this next month, which is going to be critical. It's going to be a tough month politically in terms of people drawing contrasts, but we ought to do it civilly and realize the bigger goal.
3: Amen. Congressman Connor thanks so much for dropping by today.
5: Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's always great. Really appreciate it.
3: Tom Harvin here with you. And we're hearing that the uh, Republican senators are blindsided, shocked, amazed, horrified, not believing <laughs> the revelations in John Bolton's book. Well, even the word revelations is weird usage because what Bolton's book says is what virtually every single witness who testified before the House said which is Trump was running this extortion bribery racket against Ukraine and against Zelensky. And they had done it with the previous president as well. In fact, the whole thing blew up. I believe the previous president's name was Poroshenko. The whole thing blew up when they the deal that they had cut with the previous president, who was supportive of the corrupt prosecutor that Joe Biden got fired who was not looking into Burisma at the time. But they cut the deal with this guy, and then Zelensky wins the election. And now they've got to come up with a whole new way, because now we've got an actual anti-corruption crusader as prime minister, or as president, excuse me, of Ukraine. And so, you know, when these guys say that, oh, we, we we're we were amazed by this, you know, we were not expecting this, we're, you know, shocked. They are not shocked by By what's in the book, they're shocked that they haven't been able to pull off the cover-up faster. You know, they're trying to get this thing done before Tuesday, because Tuesday is the State of the Union address. And Trump wants to get up there in the State of the Union address, and we now know that he will politicize anything, right? He stands in front of the wall at the CIA with the stars, with no names of the CIA officers and agents who have died in the field in service to their country, but their names can't be revealed because it's still a secret. He stands in front of that wall in an anniversary, as I recall. I forget the exact circumstances, but an anniversary of the death of one of these people. It was a solemn occasion. He stands in front of that wall and goes off on a riff about how the Democrats don't like America. He politicizes everything. So, I mean, he talks to the troops. You're not supposed to talk politics to the military. It's, well, it's against the law to begin with, and it's certainly against military policy, but Trump does it. He goes, he talks to the troops, and he trashes Democrats and the so-called Democrat Party, which I don't know where, what country that exists in. Here in the United States, it's called the Democratic Party, but in any case, What Trump wants to do on Tuesday in his State of the Union address is he wants to get up and say, well, the Democrats tried their best. They took their shot and they missed. And if you're going to take on the king, you better kill the king is the old metaphor from, I believe, from Shakespeare. And he's basically going to say they didn't kill me politically. And so now, I Claudius, now... We have an actual dictatorship. I will become the new dictator. I'm, you know, I no longer have to worry about what Congress is going to do. I can't be held accountable by the Justice Department or any state prosecutor because as president, I can't be indicted. I can't be charged. I can't be arrested. And he's saying he can't even be investigated. And yes, his attorneys actually argued before the Supreme Court, no, actually it was before a circuit court, that if Donald Trump had killed somebody while in office, that the investigation would have to wait until after he was no longer president, which he's trying to make sure is going to be five years from now. For the obvious reason, he wants to stay out of jail, among other things. So... There's some real scurrying around going on because of John Bolton's book. Uh, John Bolton's book, of course, says that Bolton actually heard Trump. I mean, Trump actually said this to him that, you know, the $391 million in security assistance for Ukraine was being held until Ukraine turns over documents relating to Bidens and Democrats. And there were actually other Democrats, I guess. And proof that it wasn't Russia who hacked the DNC, it was Ukraine. And the reason that Bolton's book is a problem is if you look at the legal brief that the Republican lawyers in this trial before the Senate submitted to the Senate just last week, the brief, item four in their brief... The headline is, House Democrats rely solely on speculation built on hearsay. Now, hearsay is one step away from, you know, first-person testimony. In other words, if somebody somebody actually hears the president say, I want Zelensky to investigate Biden and I'm going to hold up the money until he does. Somebody actually hears him say that, that's first-person witness testimony. Now, Sondland came close to that. But as the Republican lawyers yesterday argued repeatedly, Sondland said, that was my speculation, that was my conclusion, that was the obvious conclusion. He uh, couched his assertions with these kind of weasel words. So everybody who has testified about this, they testify about how it happened, where it happened, when it happened, who was involved with it. But actually hearing Donald Trump, like, you know, stand up on the resolute desk or mount a podium somewhere and do a, you know, like the bad guys from a Superman or a Batman movie, you know, the evil guy. I, Dr. Evil, have put this plan together because it's going to take down my opponents for all time. You know, nobody has said they actually heard Trump say that yet until Bolton So item four of the legal brief that was submitted says, quote, not a single witness with actual knowledge ever testified that the president suggested any connection between announcing investigations and security assistance. I think the the question that all this raises is, will Trump get away with all this? And if so, and this is the real problem, and I'm going to get to you know, what their new strategy is today in just a minute, but they're doubling and tripling down on how to figure this out, how to, how to have Bolton taken care of, right? How to get this, this problem of Bolton's book out of the way. And they actually have a strategy for this. But first, I, want, I just want to finish this, this kind of thought here back, and this uh, Judd Legum put these together in his newsletter today at popular.info, and it's just great. Senator John Cornyn, back on December 23rd, about four weeks ago, tweeted, nope, quid pro quo, therefore the democratic grounds for ousting Trump are weak. Senator Ted Cruz, uh, two weeks ago on Hannity, said, quid pro quo allegations are hearsay from, quote, people who have no direct evidence and witnesses who never even met President Trump. And that would be, you know, like Ambassador Hill and like that. And Jim Inhofe, Republican from Oklahoma, he says the major problem with the case against Trump is not one of the witnesses was a first-hand witness. Well, Bolton is, see. And even a bunch of the uh, Republicans in the House, you know, Doug Collins tweeted, there's zero quid pro quo, That was in September. Mark Meadows told reporters, what we do know is that there's definitely no quid pro quo. (laughs) Again, they're all arguing, no first-person testimony. Jody Heiss of Georgia tweeted, no quid pro quo, no pressure. Congressman Jim Jordan tweeted, it's been very clear, no quid pro quo. So now Bolton comes out and says, yeah, there's a quid pro quo. And I was there and I heard it from the president's own lips. So what does Trump say? Bolton's a liar. He tweeted yesterday, I never told John Bolton that the aid to Ukraine was tied to investigations into Democrats, including the Bidens. And then a few hours later, Giuliani, a couple hours later, tweets, there's no way in the world President Trump would say this to John Bolton. Right. So what they're trying to do, actually, you know, by accusing Bolton of being a liar, as Joe Legum points out, these guys are actually making the case for Bolton's testimony and that vote will probably come at the end of this week. What's happening right now is the president's lawyers are summarizing their arguments, and then, assuming the day continues, they will go to questions. And They've got 16 hours where individual senators can submit questions, and the impeachment managers, you know, the Democrats of the House, or the president's lawyers will answer those questions. And we don't know yet exactly how that's going to be moderated? Who decides what questions? There's obviously going to be a lot more questions than there is time to even ask them, much less answer them. And we're not sure who's filtering that. If I find out, I'll let you know. I haven't seen a good summary of that anywhere. And in fact, I saw on uh, TV this morning, somebody had asked one of the senators that specific question. And the answer was, I don't know. Meanwhile, you know, Mitch McConnell is trying to do this quick trial so that he can, you know, he, as I said before, they want to get this wrapped up before February 4th so that Trump can, in his State of the Union address, claim that he won. And by the way, let me just note the consequences of Trump winning. If it is true that a president cannot be investigated, indicted, or prosecuted while he's in office, then the only thing, the only way that a president can be held to account for crimes he commits while he's president is through impeachment. But if Trump is not impeached when there's clear evidence of crimes, in this case, bribery and extortion, if Trump is not removed from, well, he's been impeached, if he's not removed from office, to be more precise with my language, then what that says is to every future president Don't worry, you have absolute power. As long as your party controls the Senate, or controls more than half of the Senate, or even controls enough of the Senate that you can prevent a two-thirds vote, because that's what it takes to remove somebody. You don't even have to actually control the Senate. All you have to do is control more than a third of it. And that means we've turned the presidency into a monarchy, into a dictatorship, essentially. This is the Tom Hartman Program. That is not good for democracy. It's not good for America. That is flipping the entire idea of, you know, three branches of government that are co-equal on its head. Uh, Let's see here. Morris in Long Beach, California, listening on KPFK. Morris, you, I suspect I'm going to agree with you. What are your thoughts today? We want to hear from Stormy Daniels. We
2: don't want to hear from Mr. Botan. No, ain't, nobody, ain't nobody read no books, no way. It'd be good for the rate. It'd be good for Stormy. I got some questions for Stormy. Why, what did the president say to you while you was with him? And why would well, he it, call it, you it,
3: if I may, what did the president say to you while you were spanking his bare bottom with a rolled-up copy of Fortune magazine, with the president's picture on the cover, with his daughter?
2: Now that's talk about some ratings, y'all. Yeah. And, and why do they, why why do they call you Stoneman? And do you recognize do you recognize any members in our chamber? All right. That's how you handle it. Talk to you later, Professor. <laughs> okay, thank you,
3: Morris. Good talking to you. Oh, one of our most insightful callers and uh stormy tell us about mushrooms no maybe not maybe that's more than we want to know (laughs) amazing paul in lucerne california hey paul what's on your mind hey tom everybody's all talking about trump getting away with this well
0: eight weeks ago i read a op-ed from the attorney general of new york Mm -hmm. and she says about the time trump's receiving the Republican nomination for president, she should have enough evidence to arrest him and plans on arresting him.
3: You're talking about Letitia James?
0: Yeah, for various crimes, money laundering and racketeering and a bunch of other... Geez, the state of New York actually has crimes against these. They're not federal crimes. They're actually state crimes. Right. He can't be insulated against state crimes. I really wish I wasn't suspended off Twitter. Twitter said I I self-reported for hateful contacts and suspended me and I repealed it. Otherwise, I'd be able to look the article up and tweet it to you, but... I, well, I why, don't you, why don't you open
3: another Twitter account? <laughs> I mean, get, a, get a second oh, email address. You can get them for free. Now. And, and uh, that know. was, my, I'm going to have to do that. Yeah. Like, I, had, I have a lot of followers, though.
0: And I had a thousand people tell me I was awesome, in one day that really made me feel good and humbled me all at the
3: same time. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, now that you know the rules, <laughs> tread more carefully. You know, not that I'm, I'm recommending anybody far. break Twitter's rules. I'm, I'm recommending that you comply with them.
0: I tried.
3: Yeah. Okay. I really. I thought. I mean. Okay, Paul. I got to run, but good luck, and you know, good luck. <laughs> keep it up. William in Lithonia, Georgia. Hey, William. What's up?
0: Hey. Thanks for taking my call. I called last year, and I said I asked you why should I vote for anybody because they got a D next to the name. Right. And I want to clarify what I was talking about. See, I'm I'm in the tank for Bernie. I want Bernie to be president, so I'm going to vote for him in the primary. And before anybody gets on their high horse talking a bunch of crap about if you don't vote for Joe Biden and he's going to use voting for Trump, I live in Georgia. My vote, because of the electoral college, my vote for a Democrat in the general election is a waste of time anyway. Mm -hmm. But anyhow. um, But Bernie has a
3: chance. I mean, you know, he's he's rising in the polls. They're starting to attack him like there's no tomorrow. You know, that means they're worried
0: yeah now i know i mean oh, before they get through with it they're gonna be saying that bernie is like
3: uh you know they're gonna be saying he state. killed jfk <laughs> you <know>? yeah, but, <laughs> i'm with you William. Yeah, i'm sorry we're out of time so but you I'm, know give us a call again and we can get into the conversation a little deeper i was a little more up against the break there than i realized when i put you on my apologies So what are they going to do about Bolton? I, I kind of asked the question before, and, and my big question for you is, do you think, do you agree with me or disagree with me that if Trump is not removed from office, he has already been impeached, obviously, but if he's, uh, you know, and when I say if he's not impeached, you, you know what I mean, but I do need to be more precise in my language. If he is not removed from office, does that redefine the presidency for all time? I mean, we all looked at the Clinton impeachment and we said, really, for a BJ? You're kidding? And, you know, nobody really worried about the state of the presidency if if Clinton wasn't removed from office. In fact, if Clinton had been removed from office, I think we'd all be worried about the state of the Senate. Really? You're going to take a president down for that? For lying to his wife and the country about having an affair? I mean, didn't LBJ do that? Didn't Eisenhower do that? Didn't FDR do that? Didn't Kennedy do that? I mean, yeah, they didn't lie under oath to a grand jury, but the effect is the same. So we didn't take that seriously, but this is serious stuff. This is an actual crime. This is the first time a president has been impeached for something that involves foreign policy and national security. So how are they going to handle this? Well, they've got two strategies right now that, that Mitch McConnell appears to be weighing. And the first is Okay, we'll have a witness swap of some kind. You Democrats agree to let Joe Biden come testify, and we will agree to let John Bolton testify. And frankly, I think that's a deal that the Democrats should take. I think Joe Biden, if Joe Biden has nothing to hide, and I believe he doesn't, I believe that Joe Biden, you know, this is his adult kid. Hunter Biden, yeah, Hunter Biden has a horrible and sketchy past. You know, he lived in a homeless camp in L.A. for a couple of weeks, snorting cocaine every day. He's gone through multiple wives. He just last week in D.C. reached a settlement with a stripper that he impregnated for child support. I mean, this guy's got problems. But he's an adult. And if Biden's policy with his adult kids was hands off, then, you know, God bless him this could be the thing that makes joe biden president if he gets up there and he does like i believe it was robert welsh did with joe mccarthy and some you know senator or a lawyer for the president questions him about his son and he just turns to them and says have you no shame at long last sir i mean that's all it's going to take Right. All he has to do is call these guys out. Really, Mr. Secolo, are you trying to hold me to account for my son's behavior? That could make him president. That could catapult him to the top of the Democratic primary. So that's one thing. And uh, Lindsey Graham has a different idea. Lindsey Graham says, well, uh, let's not quite subpoena Bolton. Let's subpoena his book. And we'll put it in a skiff, a secure compartmented facility, we will put it in a skiff and lock down, and all of the senators can go in and read John Bolton's book if they want to. And then we can go out and we can say to our voters, especially, you know, Tom Tillis and Cory Gardner and Jody Hurts, we can say to our voters, yes, we, we evaluated the evidence. We'll see. And in fact, uh, James Langford has already kind of signed off on this. He was the one who actually suggested it. Lindsey Graham is now pushing it up the flagpole. We'll see. We'll be back with more of the news and more of my thoughts and yours in this uh, kind of national town hall meeting we have here every day on the Tom Hartman program. And in the meantime, don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport. Never was intended to be. It requires you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video
0: archives, visit TomHartman.com.
3: Tom Hartman Cruise will be sailing in July of 2020. The seven day Oceana Cruise will be going to Bermuda and I'll be hosting onboard events about the topics of the day. More info at TomHartman.com or 800-856-1155.